sight In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life Welcome once more to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat, here to wish you Merry Christmas in July. <laughs> Ugh, Christmas in July. Rather have Halloween in May. <laughs> or both. Tonight- and why is it Christmas in July? What episode are we talking about today? Oh, we are talking about Fountain, episode 26, or uh, 13, if you're going by seasons. Yay! In other words, so weird Christmas! Mm-hmm. Way yes. better than the other holiday one, which is Halloween. Mm-hmm. And way, way better than the other holiday one, which is the Thanksgiving one. Oh, oh I'd yeah. managed to completely <laughs> forget about that. Lucky oh. <laughs> you. Uh, yeah, this is the So Weird Christmas special, as it were. And what's the? Which is actually a pretty good one. Um, yeah, I think you guys like it a lot more than I do. I mean, it's a good episode, but I find it to be a little mawkish at times. Way to be a party pooper, Zach. It's <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, let's start talking about the synopsis for this episode. Yeah, what's our mystery of the week? Time, time travel. Yeah, sort I'd say, of. Yeah, magical time travel, not time machine time travel. I, well, okay, so the episode starts, it's, what is it, like the night before Christmas? Yes, and all Christmas. The mall. Yeah. All the creatures were stirring, <laughs> trying to do their Christmas shopping. Right, yeah, Fiona and Jack are at the mall trying to do some last-minute Christmas shopping. Fiona uh, has bought a Christmas CD, which is apparently a tradition with her. Yes, and because... the poor CD has gone missing. Right. So she has to run back to find it, and that's when... Um, what, what, when does she find out that they're not going to be spending Christmas at home because Molly has a gig or something? Yeah, it's right after she they find the CD. And right. They go back and find him by the Christmas tree. Right. So Fiona is feeling the Christmas blues. She's not having the holiday she wanted. And that's when she meets a um, guy at the food court named who calls himself Nick, but uh, which is a not-too-subtle reference to the holiday, you know, St. Nick and all that. See what you did there, writers. Mm-hmm. And he gives her a magical hot chocolate, which causes Coco her... Coco Sleigh Ride. What's it called? A Coco Sleigh Ride. Coco Sleigh Ride. And this, and when she drinks it, this causes her m- memories and her mind to go backwards in time. And she experiences different Christmases across her youth. And uh, she learns a moral about family or something. Well, she's also ultimately given this amazing gift of actually having a memory of her dad, which I think is very touching. Sure. Um, <laughs> so everybody likes this one, right? Yes. I love it. I adore it. It's been <laughs> one of my top five episodes for a long time, actually. I don't know if it still will be ultimately, but because it was number five, but yeah, love this one. I was going to ask what you guys thought of the Nick character. Cause I think like in the first three minutes, we see him at least four or five times in different roles. Um, I think we first see him when he drops something and then Jack picks it up and gives it to him. And then he's like the choral conductor and then the shop vendor, the fountain soda fountain shop person. Soda jerk. Um, yeah. And he even has a daughter. <laughs> like at the very beginning, he's leading a little girl off. Yeah. He's kind of like, he doesn't, he's not a happy character or you know, jolly or anything. He's just kind of mysterious. He almost reminds me of a trickster, like in Supernatural. Yeah, I could agree with that assessment. Well, he's mischievous, but he's not as uh, evil <laughs> as the trickster yeah. on Supernatural at all. He's but definitely more kind-hearted. He's just a magical, Christmassy spirit dude guy. Or a saint. <laughs> sure, if you're Catholic. Um hey. Uh, so, yeah, all right, that's what happens, yeah. She goes back in time, man. You know, what really, um, what I really like about this one, well, first off, uh, 12-year-old Fiona is adorable with her pigtails and her little red Christmas dress. In fact, in fact all of the, uh, the younger Fionas are, like, super cute, and, um, I don't know, did they find actresses who just sounded a lot like Kara, or did they have, like, her dub over her voice in a couple of those scenes? 
Uh, she's definitely dubbing the nine-year-old version's voice. Yeah. So yes. The one yeah, at the definitely. party with the eggnog. Yeah. And the six-year-old is just a squeaky. <laughs> yes. I, I don't really like that they did that. You, you don't like that they dubbed her voice? No, 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 no. It, it's always annoyed me a little bit. I just, what was the point? Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they needed to do that, but. I actually really think the actresses playing the succession of young Fiona's are all pretty good. Like, whenever you have really young kid actors, you never know what the quality of the acting you're going to get is, because let's face it, most child actors are terrible. But um, I think the girl who plays three-year-old Fiona is uh, actually pretty good. You know, she's given a lot of dialogue, and she delivers it all really well. You mean six-year-old Fiona? What did I say? Three. Three. <laughs> Uh, okay. Yeah, fix it in post, Kathy. Um, <laughs> and I do love that gag about the computer when they go back in time. How how much memory do they say their first computer has? It has like 40K. That 10 megabyte or something hard drive. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of doubled nostalgic because you think about what was considered a lot of hard drive space in 2000 or 2001 when this came out, which was probably like maybe, you know, triple that, and now we have computers with, you know, trilobyte drives. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, that early 90s nostalgia for antiquated technology. Um, I think the uh, the stuff in that second flashback with, like, Clue singing the song to the girl and uh, one of them falling in the eggnog's a little goofy. <laughs> Carrie singing the song? What did I say? I'm but. really not at 100% tonight, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. How about we go in chronological order, and can we talk about... 12 oh, yeah, sure. Let's do that. Let's go in chronological order. Why don't we? Okay. Cat, take over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got this, cat. <laughs> so we talked about 12-year-old Fee rocking the ponytails and the little red dress that she says, like, wait, I outgrew this dress two years ago look different and then we see Ned rocking this glorious long hairstyle <laughs> and of course Jack sitting across from her teasing her a little bit over French toast Jack yeah he says a lot of funny lines during this like short scene when he's like I think you're getting weirder as you get older and then the next thing like does this snake speak to you <laughs> I thought that was hilarious perhaps yeah, she's getting so weirder <laughs> and also that line about how he's suspecting tainted milk has messed with Fiona's mind as she's like jumping up and down yelling at the ceiling for Nick and Ned has no idea why she's acting out and she makes a comment about the tuna fish and how they had stopped buying that when Carrie found out that it wasn't dolphin safe I think that's a cute little incident. yeah I really I, I really like Ned's reaction to that to stare at the sandwich and bemused horror <laughs> and of course, this Christmas, they're not at their own house, they're at the Bells, and Fiona goes outside to try to find Nick, and she winds up locking them all outside, and it's freezing, it's snowing, and she doesn't know what to do, and woohoo, magic time, we're in another flashback. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really like that first flashback up until they get locked out of the house. Um, and then Theonis is dropping truth bombs about the future casually, totally messing with the time continuum there. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I like the transition. I think that was pretty cool. Yeah. She finally gets mm -hmm. the door open, and it, then she's somewhere else. Yeah, that was well done, how it transfers to her opening the door um, when she's nine, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. from 12 and then to nine. Yeah, that is a good moment. Yeah, I think it's when she's nine, when Carrie's going girl crazy singing the song yeah and then chasing clue around the house trying to put a red nose and rudolph ears on him and then he eventually lands in like a bowl full of maybe eggnog or something and he gets it all over his butt mm -hmm. what do you guys think about the actors that they got for clue and carrie because it always struck me as a little weird that Clue looks so much older than Carrie does in this flashback. Well, they don't look anything like the actual actors playing them now, so that's kind of weird. Well, I think Carrie does. Yeah, maybe a little bit. They got the hairstyles. I think that's all what they tried for. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I think in the script, they def 
they described younger Clue as a pint-sized surfer dude or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this actor was not pint-sized at all. No, he was taller than Gary. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, that second one's a little too goofy for me. I'm not really feeling that one. Christmas time. People like goofy on Christmas. Oh, oh yeah. Do they? Them two boys just, I don't know, you can see them as being, you know, brothers. Yeah, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. And then I really like the exchange between Carrie and Fiona as Fiona's just like, oh, wait, I know, I'm going to write myself a note. And she writes on the back of her picture and then Carrie's like, oh, is this Nick guy somebody you have your crush on? I know what that's like. I was in love with this girl and then she dumps me. I'm so heartbroken. And Fiona goes through all the girlfriends that Carrie's going to have and how many dumped him and it's all of them. <laughs> So she tells Carrie at this point to that to tell Jack to warn her, right, that if she ever goes to a mall, to not go and meet Nick, right? right. Yeah, that's what happened. Like five years or so from now. That's why in the episode in the beginning, Jack's like, oh, wait, he's trying to remember to tell Fee something. Yeah, yeah. and then and Carrie says something like, oh, five years from now? That's a long time. I better write myself a note. And that's when Fee gets the idea to write herself a note. Yeah, that pays off nicely, I think. Yeah. yeah. So next thing we know, Fiona is six years old, and Molly's singing Silent Nights. Or no, it doesn't cut to Silent Night. First, uh, Fiona's sick. Molly's checking her temperature. Right. This is when yeah. the episode gets sad, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Where this is the Christmas that Fiona remembers is the worst Christmas ever because she got the flu when she had to go to a Christmas concert anyway. So, little Fee is, as Molly's checking her temperature, going, Oh no, I got younger again. You better listen to me, Mom, or next time, next thing you'll know, there's going to be a little person inside you yelling, Let me out of here. And Molly just checks the thermometer, like, Maybe this one's broken. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. cute. And I like that Fee tells her what she's going to get for, from Santa Claus, and you know, Molly thinks she's already looked in the closet. <laughs> yeah, I think that all oh, that's so adorable. Yeah, now Molly just assumes Fiona's talking like this because she's sick. And the next thing we got to is we get to see Jack listening to a CD player, computer in the corner. Right. Like he's Fiona announces her presence by turning up the music on the CD player all the way up. Right, and he's <laughs> rocking out to, like, Manchester um, Overdrive or uh, uh, with the, the steam engine. What the hell is it called? Mayhem <laughs> Steamroller? Yeah, like, it's some, like, rock and roll Christmas music thing. I don't know. That struck me as funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is your favorite part, Zach, where they talk about the computer where Fiona <laughs> asks about uh, do we have internet access are we online i've got to do some research and then jack shines a flashlight on this old old chunky computer monitor and even before they had the tower and it's just like oh you'll never fill up this puppy (laughs) yeah i like how he says that fee was begging for a computer for like months and she's like six years old (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah that is cute though um so you guys are pretty smart with the ages and stuff. Can we figure out when in time this is happening? What the date is? Because if Fiona's 14 and roughly 2000, that would make this scene set in the yeah, is, is someone doing the math? Oh, sorry. Okay. So this is actually eight years. Christmas. It was Christmas 1999. That's when the episode was set. I'm pretty sure. Oh, so it would have been like 1991. Yeah, because she's six in this, so it'd be eight years. Good job, Kat. (laughs) Okay, I just wanted to figure that out. (laughs) Yeah, so it would have been a very early computer, and they would have gotten one way before most people did. Because I know my family didn't get a computer until 96. Yep, Windows 95, baby. Yeah, that sounds about right for me too, I think. So anyway, this is when the episode gets sad, right? Because Fiona finds her mom crying over a picture of Rick. Yeah. And I love that scene. And I love the transition where first we see the picture and then we zoom out to see Molly's face crying over it. 
It's so beautiful. It's got the holiday blues. I love what um, Dee says to Molly. You know, she says that because Molly says, uh, you know, she misses them. And he says she misses them, too, and that they always will, which is true because she knows that because she's from the future. <laughs> but she says we're still going to laugh sometimes and we'll be happy. And that's true, too. Yeah. I think that's really sweet. Me, too. And that scene helped a lot when I was going through my dad's passing. Oh. That was one of the things I included in my video tribute to him. Mm. It's a really good quote. And also, I love that it was made clear that this was something that Fiona had never experienced. This was something that she did differently than when she was six. And I think it's good for her to get that insight into her mom. Mm. Good point. So this is when Molly starts singing her Silent Night. And then next thing we know, the video pans over, and it's Molly, Rick, and baby Fee. Yeah, cute little baby Fee in the elf costume. It's adorable. <laughs> yeah, and... Baby what is she, like, a few months, probably? I guess. Because uh, they show Jack, and he looks like a baby also. It yeah. says... Yeah, it says Fee's 10 months old, which... The script says Fee's 10 months old, which makes sense, because as we know, he was born in February, right? So, yeah. We so you didn't make that, that up. He yeah. didn't make that up. I, I kind of thought he maybe just said a date, but then I was like, well, if this is Christmas, that means she must be like, what, 10 months? Yeah. 10 months old. It, it lines up. There you go, Zach. I remember you saying, oh, he probably made <laughs> it up, but he definitely didn't. <laughs> now we know. Well, I'm, I'm so glad that we uh, figured that out for certain. Wow, they really did think that stuff through. <laughs> and speaking That's of great. thinking stuff through this is where the episode really comes full circle as Rick comes in to talk to Molly and Ned follows behind asking like oh did you tell her yet and then he's like oh, never mind I'm out because a benefit somebody got cancelled at a benefit concert and Rick already said oh, we'll do it. And first, Molly's upset because they said that they were going to spend Christmas at home. But then she decided, you know what? We'll still have Christmas, just someplace else. And they mm -hmm. kiss this. I like how Baby Fee's like watching it all. And it, like, it just makes me think, like, so the real Fee probably wants to say so much <laughs> or the future free Fee. Yeah. yeah. He's a baby. <laughs> Yeah, and it's some good restraint on the filmmakers. They're not giving her like a voiceover or anything, just letting yeah. that play out naturally. That would have yeah. been horrible. That would have ruined the episode to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is also where Fee realizes where her Christmas tradition of uh, dancing on Christmas Eve comes from because she used to dance with her dad. That's so they were sweet. Little. I know. In all parallel questions that's raised is that as Rick is dancing with Fee, you can see Molly filming it on an old camcorder. So you would think, wouldn't that, wouldn't that video still exist? Wouldn't Fiona have seen it a million times and known about it? Hmm, maybe they had a like record over. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, but it got damaged. Maybe. Yeah, somebody yeah. put a magnet next to the tape and wiped it. I guess I think the really wonderful thing about this is she's actually experiencing it. You know, like her dad is looking down at her with all this love when she's in the crib and with this huge smile on her face. And she gets to remember that, what it felt like. Yeah. And everyone has a sense of realism because for once we're not seeing Rick as a ghost in the background. We're seeing him like actually there for Faith. Mm -hmm. More importantly, she sees that too. And it's the only time we really see them all together happy. I mean, we even have Jack in the room for a second. Mm -hmm. That's true. And the episode started with uh, family videos. Yeah, and, and I love those family videos. Like, it's my favorite thing about the series, that we do get those little snippets of the Phillips family hanging out in the backyard, blowing bubbles, Jack pushing family swing. Yeah, isn't there like a shot of Fiona playing um, the guitar at one point? Yeah, yeah. With Jack too. And yeah, Molly. they show yeah all three of them, which is really cool. Yeah, it's only the we only have two clips of all of them playing guitar together. The first one is from Topa in season one when Molly was teaching them. She sells, 
and then this one. Yeah. Yeah, I like that opening narration where she talks, which compares time travel to going to a movie. I like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she finally wakes up. She doesn't re- regress more. Yeah, she but doesn't I go do like... back into the womb or anything. That would have been weird. <laughs> yeah, like she said. <laughs> I do like how um, how she's going back, and it seems yeah. like it's getting faster and faster. So it is that kind of like creepy feeling, like, oh, how far is this going to go? So there's a little yeah, bit of an odd feeling in this episode. Yeah. What I think is a little odd is that Fiona has moved positions. She's no longer at the ice cream bar. Now she's at a table. So how did she change places? Well, isn't the ice cream bar gone? The room that it was in is still there, but she's not in that room anymore. Oh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I almost, you know... For a while, I thought maybe she didn't time travel at all. Maybe it was just kind of like, oh, she was imagining she was time traveling. Not really a dream, but something she did impact the past, according to the episode. It's not like she was just seeing the past. She actually impacted it because Jack was going to try and remind her about what happened. Right, so she definitely went back in time because she changed the future. Yeah, which is really weird to me, actually. (laughs) Because what, okay, so if she went back in time, is she? Is it like she's possessing herself when she was that age? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> well, I'm just wondering, how does this, um, you know, is, is this like a stable timeline kind of thing? You know, what, what's the paradox level going on here? Because how can Jack remember to, that he was supposed to remind her of something in that mall if she hadn't gone back yet? That implies well, it, that she always goes back. Yeah, it's one of those time travel things where it's it's like they get that power to time travel, but then they realize that they shouldn't do anything because it messes things up. So then one it's like, well, why did time travel things? Yeah, like <laughs> why did trope? I don't know. Why did they get that power in the first place if they couldn't fix it? So I'm with that. I'm just thinking it just happens. Like I don't know if there's any real reason or if she's not supposed to it's just it's gonna happen yeah that's what i think i don't know it's just weird because normally when they when you know they go back in time and see older versions of their past and all that when they see glimpses of their past they're like viewing it from the side you know and they can't they can't let their you know younger self see them and that sort of thing but I this one and she's like Harry actually Potter herself the prisoner of azkaban on this one and say <laughs> that Jack was able to to try to warn Fiona about Carrie because Fiona had already time traveled and did it because it's just the loop. He knew to warn her because he had, because Carrie had already given him the warning because we went back in time and therefore if he had to go back in time so that she could give Carrie the warning. Ah, okay. and like in Harry Potter, the time travel was never mentioned again, even though it would have helped resolve a lot of future plot points. Oh, uh, it is. No, J.K. Rowling destroyed the Time Turners because it was going to be a huge mess if that had happened, actually. But but, but anyway. did they mention that in the book, Emily? Yeah. Because if it's not on yeah. the page, it didn't happen. Well, okay, in the fifth book, it did. they did destroy all the Time Turners when they went to the Ministry of Magic. But uh, y'all need to check out The Cursed Child. Cause yes. Yeah, anyway. Or alternatively, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then don't complain about it. (laughs) I reserve the right to complain about whatever I want, (laughs) goddammit. Anyway, okay, sorry guys, off topic, but you know me and Harry Potter. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to mention the Butterfly Effect movie, if anyone's seen that one, which I know a lot of people don't like. I like it. But yeah, in that one, he's able to go back in time. And he's actually, I think, goes back when he's younger and when he's, like, in elementary also. So it's the same where he's not looking to the side. He actually travels back and tries to change the events. But it goes horribly wrong. Each time, yeah. And so it's like, oh, that sucks. (laughs) I guess the moral lesson here is uh, don't time travel. Just ever. Just don't do it. Mm -hmm. But with Fee, it helped her. So, it well, is, she had no control so. over it either, and like it's. Well, she was trying to change it. She was well. She was mainly scared of just going back too much, and but. And because, 
you know, Nick is the one that is beginning this whole time travel shenanigans here. Uh, so it's almost as if he's trying, he is some mystical Christmassy entity that is trying to teach her a lesson. In fact, they kind of imply that at the end when he picks up this homeless man, because now he's a cab driver, you know, he, he's just some free agent going around doing good deeds or something. Well, doing good deeds to lift people's Christmas spirit. Yeah, what he and he even uses a phrase like that when he first meets Fiona, and mm -hmm. it works because when she awakes from that time travel experience or the dream or whatever you want to call it, her attitude's changed, and she looks at Molly and she says, "It's okay, Mom. We'll still have Christmas just somewhere else." And then Molly's face has like that, "Whoa, deja vu." How did she know about that look? Yeah, like in medium and confirms that. He did dance with her father as a baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Nick guy says that everyone gets a present on Christmas Eve. And when he's yeah. talking to Fee, I think he asks her, um, like, what's going on? And he says, like, a lot of folks have a tough time during the holidays. And then Fee says what she wants just to be with her family, I think, and have a, like, a happy time with them. And that's when the wish or whatever gets granted when she drinks the cocoa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then at the end, when they all go back to the bus, it's, like, all decked out with Christmas lights. Molly refers to Ned and Irene as Santa's helpers, and that makes it lying. Like, you do everything but slide down chimneys. <laughs> and they get to put the star on the tree that Jack's all excited about. Fiona breaks out her Christmas CD, and they dance. That's really cute. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a pretty cute ending. And then she yeah, finds the picture. Cute. B, look at the picture and turn it over to find a note from Nick. Mm -hmm. I, th I think that ending's lovely. And with the, the silent night playing and then, you know, you see Nick outside and the taxi pulls off after the bus. It's just, it's beautiful. I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all public domain Christmas songs in this episode. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, like I said, this episode for me comes a little close to being mawkish. I find the whole premise to be sort of corny, but uh, it's cute. You know, there's a lot of stuff in it I like, and it does earn the emotions it aims for, which is something you can't say for a lot of Christmas-related programming. Uh, I like Christmas episodes, usually. Um, I don't know. I love Christmas. It's actually my favorite uh, holiday, even though I am not particularly religious, but I it brings the family together and, you know, it's a tradition. I, I don't know. That raises an interesting qu question. What happens if Nick meets a Jew? Uh, <laughs> well, Does, I mean, we don't know if he's Catholic. Is there, like, do they have, like, Hanukkah flashbacks? <laughs> Whatever well, their spirit needs lifting for. He's just, you know, making them happy, so it doesn't necessarily have to be flashbacks. Like, he helped that homeless guy, so, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. As somebody who's a, a quarter Jewish, you wonder about these things, so... Well, his cab said, Happy Holidays. <laughs> <laughs> it's a non-denominational, inclusive, magical <laughs> Christmas entity. Um, well, you know, I mean, the thing is, for me, and my, my only issue like real issue with this episode is I really would expect Fiona to have better taste in Christmas music, <laughs> you know, being the daughter of a rock star. Like I, I would just, I, I mean, I know some people really love the traditional Christmas songs, but I, I got to tell you, I don't have a, it, it, that's my big problem with Christmas is most of the music is not just merely bad, but honestly terrible. <laughs> Well, the thing with the See, tradition like is the... that she needs to get a new CV every year. Yeah, but it's... So she needs to get something that she doesn't already have. But it's not like she's going out there and... I mean, at least from where I'm sitting, it's not like she's going out there and buying, you know, something really eclectic. She's getting, like, the dollar store Christmas compilations that are the same seven songs that you've all heard a million times. Have you listened to her entire Christmas CD, Zach? Well, you know, I'm just saying, in my brain, Fiona's Christmas playlist is way hipper, all right? I'm just saying. Um, I, I don't know. Like, my what I, when I, what I hate about the, um, the pop stars, you know, every, like, 
bubblegum pop singers got to do a Christmas album and they roll out all the classics and throw some, you know, electric synthesizers on that shit. And it's just drawl and awful and elevator music. And inevitably they record some, some freaking terrible original number that is destined to be doomed to the annals of obscure and obscurity. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that's We're just not talking about so weird anymore. That's just the mu- <laughs> I'm just saying that's the music they play in the waiting room in hell. <laughs> and that Mariah Carey song, just oh, oh, don't even get me started, man. Yeah, it, I don't like going to the mall, or you know, when you have to buy presents during Christmas and they play the same like four songs. Yeah, I hate the Wham song too. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't re- know what that is. Yeah. Rest in peace. Last re- Christmas. What, what do you mean you don't know what Wham is, Kathy? You're not that young. God. I don't. I don't listen to like anything at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last Christmas. Okay. Ah, I know that. I know that song. I, I don't know. What it's Wham the worst. Is. Okay. The- I know that song. <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. I have to know that song. It's played everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I think we've wandered off topic a little bit here, but um. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, yeah, I think you guys like this one a lot more than I do. I mean, it's a good episode, solid. There are some moments that are funny. There are some moments that are cute, but um, it's never going to be one of my faves. It's not in my top ten list, but I do love it, and I love how it ex- it's solely focused on the Phillips family. You don't get a lot of episodes that are just focused on them, so I really love this episode for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I give fair. it a solid 80.5. Are we doing ratings now? Uh, I think I gave this one a seven. Yeah, I would give it a seven also. Yeah, same thing what Kat said, that it focuses on the Phillips family. And then there's a lot of Rick, which we don't see much of throughout the series, usually. Yeah, that is nice. um, It pulls on those sad feels, which I love. And, you know, there's a good ending. Mm -hmm. There's a little mystery to it. So it kind of has it all. Um, but yeah, I typically don't like Christmas episodes. Or like, I don't really like the holiday much either. But I like So Weird's take on it. It's pretty good. I give this one two thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> Both your yeah, thumbs I, up in the air. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Are you waving them back and forth like you just don't care? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, but I mean, you all mentioned a lot of it. I like that there's a focus on the Phillips family. Uh, and I like that they did a different take on, you know, the Christmas story. If you think about it, Nick, it could have easily been like a Christmas Carol episode with Nick going back in time with Fiona and taking a look at all of her past Christmases together. Yeah, that, that's, that's what I was of. thinking of. Yeah I, yeah, I imagine that was a source of inspiration. The ghosts of Christmas but past I'm, or something like that. Even though it doesn't make as much sense to me if they had just done it that way, I kind of like that they did a different take on it. You know, with the actually going back as herself at the younger age. So, um, but ultimately the reason why I love this episode so much is whenever the episode ends, I have all these warm, fuzzy feelings and a huge smile on my face. And I can't really say that about a lot of So Weird episodes. They usually make me sad. So (laughs) I'm really glad you brought up the point about A Christmas Carol, because as much as I love the story, uh, my first exposure to it was an All Dogs Christmas Carol, which was one of my favorites. Oh, you mean like and, All Dogs Go to Heaven? Yeah. Oh, they did a Christmas Carol of that? Yeah, you say air on Cartoon Network all the time. I, I, that was my favorite. I somehow and then missed that. I also loved Mickey's Christmas Carol. And then there was the Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, I mean, that's one of my favorites. And then everybody did a Christmas Carol, and it just got boring and repetitive and tedious. Well, there are, you know, roughly 10,000 adaptations of that story. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, I'm really happy that So Weird did it differently. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I mean, for me, when it comes to holiday stuff, I guess my taste veers towards the uh, non-traditional in a lot of ways. Um, you know, my favorite Christmas movie is Gremlins, so that kind of says a lot right there. And um, well, I was sort of... You didn't say Die Hard, Zach. That's what I love. Die Hard, though I do love Die Hard, <laughs> <laughs> and um, um, and I, you know, I would like to see. Uh, I, I would have. I mean, there's no way they could have afforded the budget, but it would have been cool to see So Weird do something like I don't know, 
like a Krampus sort of thing or, you know, draw from something weird like that. That would have been cool. But I, I guess this is fine, too. No, this is definitely better than that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I guess, I don't know how many months ago it was. Was it a year ago, Kathy, when those scripts came out? Yeah, I think about a year ago. Okay, well, a while back, uh, I won the script for Fountain on eBay. Uh, so it came to me in the mail, and uh, I just, I think what's most interesting about the script is that it actually tells the characters' ages. So it says Fee in the first trip back in time is 12 years, 10 months old, and Jack is 14 years, 4 months old, which makes sense. Um, they're a year and a half apart. Uh because as we know now, Fee was born in February, and later on in the series, we find out Jack was born in August. So it all lines up perfectly. Uh, we also find out that in the second trip back, when Fee is nine years, ten months old, Clue is twelve, and Carrie is fourteen. Clue does so not look Clue like a twelve-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. But uh, that though. means that Clue is. Clue is at least eight months older than Jack, and Carrie is two years older than Clue. So that's kind of nice to have that in writing. Uh, and then the script says that actually that the Phillips family lived in L.A. in the earliest flashback, which I didn't realize that they lived there. Um, so that's because where they're famous uh, with their Molly, uh, the what is it called? Phillips King Band. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. The Soto Fountain was originally going to be called the Fountain of Youth, but I'm kind of glad they took that out because that would have been a little too obvious. Yeah. <laughs> Heavy handed. Yeah. And one other thing I noted was that, um, so in the script, when the six-year-old Fee's talking about if she goes back in time anymore, Molly's going to hear her screaming, let me out of here, uh, from inside her stomach. In the script, Fee actually says uterus. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, so they changed that for Disney. I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, I wonder, I mean, like, what the rationale was. I mean, that is more accurate. <laughs> yeah, like, was that a Disney thing? Like, little kids can't know about uteruses. Did they think that was a dirty word, or did they think <laughs> that it was unrealistic for a six-year-old to know the term uterus? But then again, Fiona's not really a six-year-old; she's fourteen. Yeah, 14-year-old Fiona knows the word uterus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the, just, the only other thing uh, was that I didn't realize this while watching it, maybe because the video quality is so bad for this one. Mm -hmm. But um, in the cab at the end, Nick is actually wearing Fee's Santa hat, according to the script, uh, that she threw away before going into the soda fountain. So he keeps it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, yeah, that's the script. It was written by Jennifer Cecil. Um, I don't know if she's done anything else. Uh, well, according to the Wikipedia article here, she also wrote Fall, at the very least. Oh, oh good. I like that one. Yeah, me too. Um, and this one was directed by a filmmaker named Pat Williams, who has done a lot of television. Uh, he's also directed episodes of The Secret World of Alex Mack and Strange Days of Blake Housley High. I know you've referenced that show I before. Love that show. Yeah. And um and he's um only directed two movies, which is a 2004 horror movie called Deep Evil starring Lorenzo Lamas and something from 2016 called Dead Rising Endgame, which I think is a tie-in to a video game. So and then just lots and lots of television Degrassi and uh, Kyle XY and a lot of other shows that were not even that popular or well-known. Huh. Degrassi! And he directed a lot of other so weird stuff, too. He directed Singularity and Strangling, Vampire, Destiny. Directed about a dozen episodes from the looks of it. It's really interesting that he also directed Strange Days at Blake Holsey High because Henry Winkler, who was an executive producer of So Weird, was also an executive producer of that show. More connections between the two. Seriously, though, it's a really good series, and if you're a fan of So Weird, check it out. You'll love it. It's a show that's somehow even more obscure than this one. <laughs> it's so good, though. And even though it was canceled before its time, the writers still managed to get a TV movie to tie up all the loose ends. So it's a lot more satisfying than the conclusion of So Weird. Well, it does have that over this one. 
<laughs> All right. Is there anything else we want to say about Fountain? What's up with that title? That's a weird title, right? I mean, I I guess if they kept the um the Fountain of Youth thing, that would be more obvious. But right now, it's just like a reference to the soda fountain and like the fountain of time, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's just fountain of youth. That was just too out there. So let's just cut off those last two words. <laughs> Emily, isn't there something you want to announce? Well, I'll try and summarize this the best I can. But on the forum, we have a new user, uh, Retro Heart who is an animation student and is very interested in starting a So Weird animated series. Uh, they have this whole outline of the plot. Um, and I, I mean, I can't even summarize it. It's so detailed. But I think what they are hoping to do is continue the storyline as it was originally planned, but in animated form. Uh, and they have like two series planned. So they've got a great idea of what they want to do with it. And they're very serious about making this happen. But they need people to help out. Uh, if you are all, at all interested in that, I would definitely recommend that you check out the forum. Uh, the thread for it is under the fan art board. Uh, and the forum, again, is so-weird.proboards.com. Uh, I think what they really need are some writers for the episodes, um, but any help at all would be greatly appreciated. And I'm I'm pretty excited about it. It sounds pretty cool. Um, it's a really ambitious project. That's my main concern. I mean, that's a. I, I'm not casting any aspersions on the person making it. It's just that's really ambitious, you know. And mm -hmm. also really awesome sounding. I mean, yeah, no, it's a great idea, uh, and I wish them the best of luck. I'd be happy with anything, like even one episode or a comic series. Anything would be really cool. <laughs> even if they could do like an animated short, like just a little clip of what the show could be like, I think that would be really awesome. And that might actually draw in more people um, to help. But yeah, good luck to them. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally foreseeing any sort of fan continuation of So Weird or anything. So that would be really cool to see that. And if anyone has any fan art, fan fiction, whatever, send it our way. Well, I don't know about the fan fiction. Depends on what kind of fan fiction we're talking here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a fanfic, uh, I think a thread or a board or something. We like to keep things PG-13 on the show. <laughs> Do we? <No>. Do we? <laughs> yeah, uh, we've dropped a few F-bombs. <laughs> you're, the, you're allowed one F-bomb in a PG-13 rating as long as it's not uh, sexual in nature. So, all right. Are we all done with that? We have want to move on to the feedback segment of the program? Uh, yeah. Okay. Onward we go. <laughs> Should we start so, with Henri? <laughs> we can't. <laughs> For our Banshee YouTube episode, Allie Marie Matheson commented, I was very mm -hmm. shocked because, well, originally I was shocked because <clears throat> she had liked uh, the So Weird Facebook page that I made, and I post all the, the episodes on there. So she liked the page, and then she liked the Banshee episode that I posted. And then last week she commented on YouTube, and she said, thanks, it's nice to know our work on the show is still appreciated. Smiley face. Yay! Yay. <laughs> I guess we should mention she's she was one of the executive producers. Uh, yeah. Don't and, know. Yeah. yeah, she wrote Banshee and Encore, and she also wrote the two Halloween Town movies, or the first two anyway, according mm -hmm. to her IMDb page. Yeah. And a bunch of episodes of Rugrats as well, apparently. Yes. So she's an incredible writer, and it's awesome that she listened to our podcast. Yeah. It's pretty cool. I hope you are enjoying it. Yeah, we suck. we're sorry this episode sucked. We're really sorry about that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> what? Are you talking about the episode or our podcast episode? No, I, I mean this. I mean this podcast episode. Speak for yourself, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, um, anything else? <laughs> yeah. Let me go on. Uh, so for our sacrifice episode um, from Gino Cuddy, he said. 
Say what you will about the Bigfoot makeup in this, it's nowhere near as bad as the costume in the 1976 film Curse of Bigfoot. That thing was horrible. Great discussion, guys. I have been marathoning, marathoning these podcasts. Hope you guys enjoyed my review on my Entangled Web Memory, Memory Machine show and the music video that I made. I love the show ahead of its time. The only failure associated with this show was Disney not realizing what they had. Agreed. Mm-hmm. But that last part, I don't know about the uh, Sasquatch Bigfoot thing. Yeah, I'm looking up The Curse of Bigfoot right now. This is a 1975 TV movie that was originally filmed as a in 1958 as a film called Teenagers Battle the Thing. I've heard of this. It's not actually a Bigfoot movie at all. It was like a different movie. They redubbed into a Bigfoot film in the early 70s when Bigfoot became kind of a cultural phenomenon. All the things you learn from just curiously glancing at the IMDb page. You haven't actually <laughs> seen it, Zach? No, I'm just, I, I literally just read this on the... <laughs> I know, I know, it's a shock. I, I have not seen every movie ever made, Emily. I know, it's a shock, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Just all the horror films. It's right up my alley. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the picture, yeah, it is pretty terrible, the costume. <laughs> Looks like he's got a raw egg as his, or like a sunny side up egg. Yeah, some big eye. goofy eyeballs, yeah. What? <laughs> so yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Thanks for that feedback. <laughs> okay, moving on um, for our Rebecca episode. We got a comment from Sharon Exo. They said, truly an episode I always enjoyed. It creeped me out a bit as a kid. I had a friend who lived in my apartment complex, and we used to hang out all the time. One day, she literally up and disappeared. Went to her apartment. No one lived there anymore. It always reminds me a bit of the Rebecca episode. Weird. That is. Wow. Mm-hmm. So uh, sad, too. Sorry. Hugs. Mm-hmm. And moving on to our Upa episode. Upa. Upa. This is from East Street Band Fan 1. Uh, they said, great job on the podcast. I like the continuity on them bringing back Ted. I believe he was the only guest character, not counting Rick and Rick Rue, to be in more than one episode. I'm looking forward to the Banshee podcast. Um, Banshee is one that used to scare me as a little kid, but when I rewatched it for the first time in years last summer, and now that I'm 27, I appreciate it and is easily a top five favorite. We get a whole Molly backstory and her relationship with her parents. One last thing. I don't know whether it was on the forums page or another site, but the scene where Fee is talking about the Banshee, the knights on the wall, were supposed to be a reference to the original season three plans of Jack's past life as a knight. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope when he heard the Banshee episode and we did indeed mention that, he was, uh, he was pleased. Yeah. And about the other guest character... We do get another one that I think comes out in two episodes, which is Papa Bear. Yeah, it's true. Right. Yeah. Coming up. Mm-hmm. And then from Beauty Effulgent, Banshee mm-hmm. was one of my faves as a kid, but I have a much greater appreciation for it after seeing it as an adult. And Strange Geometry, holy cow, I barely remember that episode, but when I watched it last year as an adult, it blew me away. Roswell had a very similar effect. This show was so ahead of its time, it's unreal. Okay. I forgot. I guess Strange Geometry is next, guys, right? Is it? Yes. And actually, we didn't mention this, but uh, Strange Geometry aired before Fountain. And that's why, like, it's important that we switch that around because in Strange Geometry, she's obviously upset with Molly. And in Fountain, she's not. B isn't. And then... And then in fall, she's back to being upset. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and apparently the people behind So Weird were really upset with Disney for that decision because Fountain totally messed with the continuity between Strange Geometry and Fall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, as we've noted before, you know, we're going in production order, which makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Okay, our Banshee episode, we got a lot of comments from E Street Ban Ban again. Uh, great job on the episode. Banshee is such a great episode and it's just, it's a shame that a lot of the foreshadowing was never followed through. This is one of the series' strongest episodes. Also, you guys said you never heard a dog bark like a Banshee. I have. I work with dogs and one of the dogs that came into work for a daycare 
actually would screech like just like one. My coworker even agreed it sounded like a banshee. In fact, it makes the banshee screech on the episode sound more friendly. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of funny. All right, well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from the GSTV reviewer, without a doubt the highlight of this series, the actual TV episode that is, I've rewatched the episode a few times in between Banshee and Lightning Rod. I keep forgetting Fee and Molly both possess the same rings. But it'd be interesting if there had been a flashback episode regarding their family past and how their rings bring them closer together. Mm-hmm. Was that in the original season three plan for them to do something like that? I don't remember. I don't know. Maybe something with Rebecca? No, 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 no. Never mind. No, Rebecca was supposed to help Jack discover his past life as a knight. Okay. Well, yeah, that would have been cool. I agree. Yeah, yeah. I always feel bad for Jack, though, because he doesn't have a connection like that. Mm-hmm. And from Beauty Effulgent, they said, I'm pretty sure the girl who said there was a spell cast through the rings was actually right. Sorry, I've been following this podcast for a few months now, and I still don't know your names. We know that Fee's great-grandma, who is alluded to being a witch, gave Rick and Molly those rings. So as Fee is talking to the Banshee, Molly unwittingly casts a spell when she sings the line, You'll never die because you live inside me. And then sings the Gaelic words. That spell is transmitted through the rings, which gives Fee power over the Banshee and the unseen force. The original ending for Banshee would have been a lot better, but I think the one we got was pretty good, too. Well, thanks for having my back, although I don't know if I should thank you too much because you didn't know my name. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's Emily. That's me. <laughs> yeah, I never connected the line of her saying, you'll never die because you live inside me. But I still don't think the rings had anything to do with it. That's my opinion. Though. It's just interesting that opinions vary so much on that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it wasn't just me. That thought that good. Okay, and then they continue saying, What the heck? How can you guys not like Fathom? <laughs> <laughs> I would rank it in my top 10 easily. I love that it's Molly centric and they address Molly's loneliness post Rick. I love that Jack is the sleuth discovering the supernatural phenomenon. I love that we get to see Molly finally acknowledge a weird encounter. Avatar doesn't count. Now that's a loathsome episode. And I love the song Origami. Yeah, it's a pretty long song, and it's kind of weird that it takes up the first four minutes of the episode, but every lyric is so poignant to Molly's feelings and the episode itself that it doesn't feel unnecessary. The only thing I don't like about this episode is the merman. I cringe at every bit of dialogue that comes out of his mouth, but it's not the writing, it's the acting. Aside from that, I think it's a really solid and unique episode. And then uh, E Street Band like commented on that saying, I love Fathom. That's a fun one. And even shows how close Jack and Molly are. The merman is weak himself acting, but everything else about that episode is great. Wow. Okay. Well, you know, (laughs) yeah, I didn't expect the Fathom love. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) That's that's a comment about Jack and Molly's relationship though. That's good insight. Well, I love the song Origami too, and but you know, instead of it being four minutes of the episode, I wish it had just been the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> I like the song. Uh, the episode is not too hot, but the song's good. Yeah, but we'll get there. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, not too much longer. <laughs> we'll let you guys know why we don't like it. <laughs> we just demand a higher quality of romantic partners for Molly than you know, stalker or fish people. <laughs> Lolly Molly is my no TP. <laughs> That's such a great name, though. What, what is the name? Lolly Molly. Lolly Molly? What does that mean? Lolly for Lala Molly. And then Molly for Molly Merman. Man, you know, you put way too much thought into these <laughs> ship names. That's the best It was one. when we were doing the, the live streaming and... And you're just trying yeah. to come up with ship names for everything. <laughs> Fun times. <laughs> and then um, we also got another comment from Melissa on Banshee as well. Um, she said, this is definitely my favorite episode, My Little Cousins as well. I definitely mentioned it on the forum, but a few years back, I got my little seven-year-old cousin into the show, and we spent a few days marathoning it. Even at like five or six years old, 
he just loved the, this episode. I remember several months ago, I was babysitting him and his brother and I were in the room watching the episode. He came in and when he came in and immediately recognized what was playing and got totally offended, I was watching it without him. <laughs> LOL. That's cute. One comment from Andrea for the Banshee episode. Thank you. This is a great review of such a wonderful, so weird episode. I now honor this episode by cosplaying as Fiona whenever I can. Definitely my top favorite. I didn't want to say this until you discussed the Destiny episode, but I have something to say since you mentioned the original ending where Fee is willing to trade time with her life in order to extend her grandfather's. That sounds like a powerful and heartfelt scene, but I'm glad the episode proceeded as it did. If you think about it, a balance was maintained with the ending that the series delivered to the TV screen. A life was extended in exchange for the life that was taken too soon, that being Rick's. We just don't fully realize it until we reach Destiny and then reflect back upon Banshee. Anyway, this is a good this is good because it cuts Molly a break from losing people. Another reason this episode is ingenious. Do you remember when she says in Rebecca ever so tearfully, what is it about me, Jack? Why do I have to lose so many people? Sometimes when you've lost so much, you can't stand to lose even one more thing. I think that definitely applies here with Molly and her father. If he had died, he just might have been the one more thing that she couldn't stand to lose despite their differences. Wow. Mm. Such an insightful comment. Wow. It is. Yeah, that's really cool. Also, the idea of cosplaying as Fiona, that sounds awesome. Yeah, no, if you have pictures of that, please send them to us. I would love to see Fiona cosplay. I mean, because like, I'm just curious what that would look like. Are, are, are you carrying around a laptop from 1999, or do you have the your hair up in the weird meat bun things? Or <laughs> She has tweeted them to us, the pictures. Yeah, the, um, she's tweeted them, and I think there's probably some on the forum. Cool. It's on point, Andrea. Yeah. I could, um, yeah. I'll have to look those up. That's really, really cool. Of course, that's one of those cosplays where you go to the convention or wherever you're at and nobody has any clue what you're dressed as. In fact, they probably just <laughs> think you're a normal person. You know? but, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we know, at least. <laughs> but yeah, I do like that you mentioned um, a life was extended in exchange for the life that was taken too soon. Bricks. And how that balance works out. Yeah, that's really a good point. Uh, but Rick was really young when he died, and Grandpa's pretty old. I'm just saying. So I don't know if it's quite the balance that he, like a perfect balance, really. (laughs) I hate to be brutal, but, you know. No, that's true. But at least they patched things up, Molly and the Grandpa, before he died. That's what I think's the, the best part, is that the enabled Molly and her dad to make amends. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, is there still yet more feedback? Um, yeah, there's feedback for Boo. Okay. Oh boy. I'm excited to hear this. It's only a little bit. So from (laughs) Melissa, she said, funny, you mentioned my Halloween town comments. I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the forum, but I asked John Cooksey about the similarities a few years ago on Twitter. He said the script for the movie for the first movie, was a rewrite of an existing script, but it's possible that they added some So Weird vibe because So Weird was definitely on his mind. And then they said, I do agree that this is really not the best episode. I think the only episode that ranks lower than this one in this season for me is actually Shelter. I tend to forget Shelter even exists, to be honest. I do find it funny at the very end when Fee basically sums everything up and everyone is like, okay, let's get the F out of here. I always <laughs> found it funny that that was like the one time everyone seemed to believe her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, Shelters for me is more just weird than outright bad. Um, and I still think Vampire is probably my least favorite season two episode. Um, I actually think I do like Boo a little bit more just for the Halloween stuff. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so so she was saying that Halloween Town 2 was actually an unrelated script that they rewrote into a Halloween Town sequel? Um, no, that the first movie, so the oh, first okay. Halloween Town was a rewrite of an existing script. Oh, okay. All right, well, never mind. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Shelter is one of my least favorites, too. Yeah. I hate talking dog live action stuff. 
on principle. I just hate it. So. Uh, well, yeah. it's just a really corny premise for an episode. Um, mm-hmm. That's my main issue with it. I left it when what I was there? eight, but it has not aged well. <laughs> okay, is there any okay. more feedback? or? Um, yeah, so from Beauty Effulgent. They said, uh, definitely my least favorite episode. I'd rank Shelters slightly above it, because at least that episode was somewhat amusing. And of course, I'm not including season three, because that season doesn't exist. (laughs) Uh, The gas leak season. Uh. (laughs) Interesting. Everyone has a different least favorite episode, it seems. Mm -hmm. But I like how everybody ranks Shelters so low. Mm -hmm. Well, well, Shelter and Boo seem to be kind of universally not all that well-liked. Yeah. Yeah. And then one more review from Andrea on Boo. She said, I'm glad the review of this episode finally came around. I think on the whole, it is my least favorite episode too. Off topic, I want to say that I too stopped watching Disney Channel after So Weird went off air. The quality of the shows went downhill and I couldn't stand to watch anything that aired after a while. I think Phil of the Future was the last decent show I enjoyed before I was completely done with that channel. Back to So Weird, I'm looking forward to your review of the Christmas-themed episode, which never fails to make me cry. I love that Nick, who I'm guessing is Saint Nick, gives Fiona the gift to pass memories of her father. It's a very special gift that can most certainly not be wrapped. And I also love how the show continues to demonstrate what a wonderful TV mom Molly is, especially when she cries over the picture of she and Rick, and when she sees Fiona, she tries to dry her tears and put on a smile. She is such a wonderful, strong character, and out of all the episodes, that one does the best job of making me appreciate that. As I mentioned before, the podcast forced me to recognize the Molly Carrie ship, and it's funny how much this episode really kills that pairing, since we see Molly as an adult in the flashbacks while Carrie is a small kid, talking to Fee about his childhood breakup. (laughs) Wait, what, what, what did Kat say? I know she has thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> I just don't think about that. You don't, you don't think about how creepy it is that she was around him when he was like a really little kid, and they end I up... No, that did not exist. <laughs> Carrie was bestowed on this earth as an adult, in my mind. Came forth from Irene's womb fully grown. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Athena popping from Zeus's skull. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That would have been painful. <laughs> Sorry, continue. Wait, was that the end of the comment, yeah. or was there more? Oh, yeah, okay. that's it. Well, I just want to okay, say... Um, oh, okay, I'll go first, uh, because I talked first. <laughs> I have the floor. Um, well, I, um, I'd completely forgotten about Phil of the Future. I remember seeing a couple of clips of that while channel surfing and just thinking it looked absolutely wretched. I don't know if there are any fans of that show here, but... <laughs> I watched it and it was okay. He had like a goofy caveman neighbor or something. I just remember it looked terrible. What? Wasn't there a goofy caveman on that show? I don't remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I ever watched that. Anyway, I I believe Kat was going to say something and then I rudely interrupted her. I was going to say something relevant to So Weird. Oh, okay. All right. Go ahead. (laughs) I really loved her comment about Molly having to put on a smile for Fiona because that is such a good touch to the series. And I love how realistic the adults on the show are. Somebody just get up and leave? (laughs) Emily? No. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I just, just heard some, some shuffling and moving. I don't know. <laughs> I'm downstairs. I don't know if there's something going on upstairs, but uh, I don't think so. It's a ghost. Yeah. Clearly your that. house is haunted. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, we should have a segment where we talk about, like, weird stuff that has happened in our own lives. We should. Yeah. That would be good. That That's actually, that is a good idea. We should, uh cover that at some point. Yeah, I mean, this episode's long enough, but... Um, anyway. Yeah, this one's long. For some episode, we don't care about like Shelter. Okay. <laughs> cool. Alright, is there yet more feedback? That is everything so far. Okay. Yep. Well, thank you so much to everybody who comments and writes. Uh, I really appreciate um, Andrea and Beauty Effulgent and uh, all the other regular commenters. Thanks so much for sticking with the show. Yes, thank you all. You're wonderful. Oh, and we just passed a year of recording. 
Oh, have we hit our anniversary? Yeah. Oh, man, now I feel really bad for being half asleep for this one. Birthday <laughs> <laughs> to us. Mm-hmm. One year, we have, I think, around 60 subscribers on YouTube. That's okay. just YouTube alone. wonder how many listen through, like, iTunes. Yeah, various podcatcher technology, which is apparently what they yeah. call it. Yeah, but 63 is a lot. Like, honestly, I, I wasn't expecting this podcast to really be popular. I was expecting maybe, like, 30 views a video. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I don't expect anything I do to be popular. So, um, has anybody had any uh, in the wild encounters with somebody who recognizes you from the So Weird podcast? <laughs> How would they do that? <laughs> we don't, don't know our face. <laughs> no, no, I mean, like on the internet, like you, you've never had somebody like send you a message on Twitter, like, like, oh man, you know, I love the So Weird podcast or anything like that. No, no. Um, Have you gained more followers since starting the show? <laughs> Well, the So Weird Twitter, the Twitter has, and uh, the So Weird Twitter actually gets a lot of messages, like maybe one or two a week, asking for like where to download the episodes, and a lot of them say like, "Oh, I'm I want to like follow along with you." Okay, uh, and to answer your question, Kat, I think I gained I have gained one follower from the show. I think um, Andrea followed me on Twitter, assuming she hasn't unfollowed me. I don't keep track of. I know I, I, I see my number go up and down, but I don't actually check to see who follows and unfollows me. Because, like, on Twitter, half of the given accounts that follow you are spam anyway. So that was a digression, wasn't it? <laughs> kind of. <laughs> so are we done? Uh, yeah, I think that's about it. Okay. Wow. What an adventure this episode has been. <laughs> so thank you, as always, for listening. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And Merry Christmas. Woohoo! <laughs> and Happy July. And keep the faith. Yeah.